Hey, Being at Work listeners, welcome back to another episode. This is your host, Andrea Butcher, and I'm loving the conversation today. Oh my gosh, I was so fired up. Time flew. And I think the title of today's episode may be my favorite title yet of the over 150 shows that we've produced. Today's title is Reaching for High Hanging Fruit. I am certainly a go big or go home kind of leader. So the message from today's guest resonates. I love giving people the opportunity to do hard things because that's when we see their potential. Don Cates is the president and CEO at Three Rivers Federal Credit Union. But what you really need to know about Don is how he's currently leading his organization through a lot of discomfort without a safety net. As you'll hear him say, he's coming into 2023 with more uncertainty than any other year. So what do you do when you've exhausted the low-hanging fruit? How do you keep your feet on the gas when you aren't doing as well? Those are just two of the questions that we'll explore today. Check it out. I started my career in finance and moved far, far away, as, as everybody wants to do as they get out of college, and didn't know anybody. And so I worked really hard because there wasn't anything else to do, really. And so I progressed in my career pretty quickly. I tried to make myself indispensable to my bosses, and my bosses were all great because they didn't sit there and, and kind of hoard me. And so I, it allowed me to progress fairly quickly in my career. Got married, continued to work very hard, hit a spot that uh, needed to pivot, to use your terminology, and kind of had to check myself a little bit, thought I wanted to go a different direction. That didn't last long, so I had to reset again and took a, a CEO position when I was uh, 32 and wasn't ready for it, thought I was. I was not, uh, so ignorance is bliss in that regard. And so went and took the position, learned a lot, trial by fire. I had a great team that allowed me to allowed me to learn and it humbled me. And that's, that's a tough task. My wife will tell you that. So I've, I've, I've done this for, for 20 some odd years. The gray hair is a result of that as, as well as being older. And it's got me to where I am today. There's so much in that, but there's, there's two specific questions I have about the insight you just shared. One thing you said early on is that you tried to make yourself indispensable to the leaders that you reported up to. Why, why that? I mean, I was instilled with a great work work ethic. I grew up on a farm. You know, I had to to work through school. You know, when my friends were out playing ball, you know, I was I was doing stuff, and I, I begrudgingly did not think that that as an opportunity at the time. But I was instilled with that at a very young age of what hard work was. I had some good jobs in high school and college, and it evolved into how I coach people today. I said, be easily led, and so. What does that mean? Because I think as leaders, we think we have 100% of the responsibility of leadership. And as those being led, they think that's also true. And so they don't accept any of that responsibility. So if you become a person that's easily led, you ask and ask for more. You ask to learn. You ask to take on things and to make them better. You know, that's not something that they should ask you to do. But if you volunteer that, you'll be surprised how welcoming they are. And this just makes it easy for them right? It, it just makes it easy for them to lead you. And that, that is paid back to you in, in, in spades. 
Well, and it goes with then the lesson you learned as a CEO at 32. You said it really humbled you. <laughs> I mean, I, I hear I hear a lot of humility in that being is easily led because it's about being a good follower. And I do think that the best leaders are also really good followers. They know when to take a step back. They know when to say, hey, I don't have the answer here. I don't know. They know, like you said, they know when to be led. Yeah, is there, the, there's the vulnerability that comes with that. And I've heard you speak to this too. You know, the vulnerability, you know, allows for that freedom and confidence. It's kind of counter what nat- what people would naturally think. I need to be strong. I need to be closed. And really, the more open you are, the more free you are, the more that you say you don't know, the more confidence you build, and the more you end up knowing after all. You got it. I mean, and it, like you said, it is really freeing, isn't it? At the end of the day, none of us really have any idea what we're doing, do we? And the sooner you figure it out, the more comfortable you are with yourself and the easier it gets. Yes. Why make it hard on yourself? Yeah. It frees you up to experiment, doesn't it? Well, and this is a great lead-in to the phase of your career and life that you are in right now. I was really struck when we talked several weeks ago. You very quickly said, oh my gosh, I'm leading through a pivotal moment right now. You're navigating just in a way that you never have. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. There's And there's so many leadership lessons in your story. Well, the first, I've, I've said this many times. So it, from a leadership perspective and having kind of the ultimate P&L responsibility and so forth. So I've done that for 20 some years, you know, started as a January 1st, what's the year going to be like? And again, I may not remember all 20 years vividly, but I do not recall a January 1st where I have more uncertainty than I do this year. And there's always a certain level of of uncertainty, but it, it is truly you know, I don't know what rates are going to do. I don't know what the economy is going to do. And it's not, usually you can maybe get directionally, you know, which way I just don't know the magnitude. I don't know direction. And so there's just so much ambiguity to start the year. And I've done a lot of reading and try to listen to people who I hold in high regard. And then just the, the diversion of, and the gaps between those levels of opinion and what people think are going to happen. So I sit there and go, well, if they don't know, I, I, I'm going to be good with not knowing. But it, it, from a, from your point is that that does create opportunity. It creates fear. Again, if we're, if we're going to be true to ourselves and who we believe to be, it really should be an opportunity. But, but I know you have to speak to everyone, and, and that's not how people normally look at that. So it's a pivotal point. You know, I am not a strategic plan fan. We do not have a strategic plan, actually. We have four strategic tenets, of which one of them is to be a high-performing institution. And in doing that, we've been, that's not aspirational. It may have been at one point, it's not now, we are there. And so coming from that and going into this level of uncertainty, it should, much like we talked about earlier of of being comfortable with not knowing, it should provide a level of confidence to perform even in this environment. But that's that's a fine line of discussing, you know, there's some uncertainty. We're gonna have to work, you know, different in some cases, harder. That's hard for people to take because they're like, well, I was working hard before. Okay, we're going to work different than what it has been in the past. And what may have gotten to the point where it was coming kind of easy for us, that's going to go away. And I still think we're going to be a high-performing institution. It's going to be, it's just going to be harder to be that. In what ways? Like, what are the ways in which you're working differently? We've all heard the, the comment of the 80-20 rule. The 80-20 for us is, is, if we wanted to, we had a journey and a vision of where we wanted to go in dealing with our memberships and being a 
provider of financial wellness and working side by side with our members to be that financial wellness partner. And we put a vision out there. And if we're, if I'm in sitting here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, I think our vision was Defiance, Ohio, right? So it wasn't way out there. And so we've traveled. Um, we've traveled quite a bit. We probably traveled to uh, Trenton, New Jersey, by this time. But the problem is our destination's France now. So we've moved a long way and our full destination's further out. But that 80%, even though we've come a long way, there's still that last 20%. And it's really going to that 20%. And we've not done it. We have not done that 20%. And everything we almost do today, I can recognize it. We just got to be able to recognize it in ourselves. Oh, that was really, really good. And if you compare that to what we were five years ago, that's a lot better than five years ago. But that's not it yet, right? That's still not it. And we have to recognize, one, that that's not it. And then, two, it's even harder. It's like, but I don't know what it is. Right. So they have to be able to paint that picture of what it is if they want to do. Again, one of your guests in a previous podcast just talked about the pause. And we talk we talk about that. When you're at that 80 percent, you think you're done. Right. That's your pause. What What's the cause for the pause is that I don't know what's next. I feel it, it goes back to I think what we'll get to. I'm scared. Not because if I know or I don't feel like I'm able to, I don't have the, the knowledge, I don't have the skill sets, I'm kind of out kicking my coverage at this point. Whatever it is, you have to know what stops you. One of my favorite movies is, is Field of Dreams. And at the end of the movie, when Doc Graham was, is the young Doc Graham, he's playing ball and the daughter falls off and she's choking and he comes running up to the chalk line, right? And he stops, he pauses at that chalk line and he knows that if he crosses it, what he leaves behind him is gone forever. But he, he makes that decision at that time. And we come to these chalk lines all the time and we have to sit there crossing this is at the sacrifice of something else, but we do it anyway. And so when we hit these chalk lines, we have to know what it is that we're giving up. We have to know where it is we're going or we're just going to stand there. Shit, that's good. <laughs> wow. We come to the chalk line well, and that that twenty percent that out beyond the chalk line, I mean, that's the high hanging fruit, isn't it? That's exactly right. The low hanging fruit is the eighty percent. We've gotten there. People are comfortable. Yeah, I and mean, it's like, so how do you lead people past the chalk line? Yeah, I think it's from our perspective, and we've we've struggled with this a little bit from the leadership perspective because again, a lot of people will get to that line and think, well, I just don't know. It's a knowledge thing. I think it's experiential, right? I could put you in a classroom for six months and teach you what's past that line. But the reason you stop is because you've not experienced yet. And the old saying, everything we want is on the other side of, of that experience. So we stop because we, we lack the experience and we can't appreciate what you've not experienced. So then, then what you have to do is coach to that, right? The, you have to probably stand beside and walk and both step across the line. And so it's a lot of mano a mano, let me know what what happened here and why I, I hit this point. That's going to be, you know, we have 450 some people. There's, there's, it's not 450, but there's 250 different answers to that. And so you have to be very specific to that. What is it that you need here? Where do you need to be support? We're going forward. And, and we all realize that is what's best. And, in, and deep down, we know that's what we want to do. But what does support look like? If I fail, what's going to happen? And and that 20% that we're going to, that high-hanging fruit, right, it's easy when you're standing on the ground and just 
picking the fruit up and I really didn't take any much risk in that. But now we're getting a lat ladder, we're getting support for the ladder, somebody's holding the ladder, I'm still way up off the ground. There's a lot of fear to that. And if we miss, there's going to be more pain in that failure too. So there's, there's no safety nets, as we talked about. There's more fear in going to that, but we have to want to do that anyway. And because we know that that's, it's, it's the same fruit, right? It's the same fruit as low. Man, I, I liked it a lot better when it was low. Yeah, we all do. Those are gone. And so to get that fruit now, we have to push ourselves. And what we thought we was pushing ourselves, what we thought was failure or fear of failure before, it's at a greater magnitude. When we do fail, it's going to hurt a little more right? It's going to hurt a little more personally. It's going to come more often, right? So the frequency is going to be greater. The magnitude is going to be greater. The impact on the organization when maybe because of economic conditions, we're not doing as good. When everything's going great, we have a little blip over here. Nobody knows it. Blow right past it. But when when things aren't as good economically and everybody's kind of struggling, you have a, the same level of failure as before. You would feel it. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be higher than that so you're going to feel it more. So organizationally, we're going to feel it. So as leaders, we got to support that. Go into it totally knowing that's the case. We talk about this all the time. We will have something that happens and it's just the spin, right? It becomes a six inch problem. And I bet you could tell me what the six inch problem is. And we will phrase it that this was failure and this is not what we wanted. I'm like, no, that's exactly what we wanted. That's what success looks like, not failure because we learn from that or, or we have somebody that leaves the organization and gets a pr- great job at promotion. It's like, ah, oh, man, I wish Andrea didn't leave. I'm like, no, that's what success looks like. We're a grower of people for them to go be successful. They're successful. That's a check for us. Exactly. And it's a ton of reframing. Yes. I mean, you are seeing the opportunity in the challenge. You are spotting the potential in the challenge. I mean, so it's a lot around mindset isn't it? The six inches between your ears. Yeah. The six inches between your ears. We make of everything what it is based on how we think about it and talk about it. And so for you, Don, you know, you are leading the charge. How do you keep yourself in that frame of mind? My personal mission statement is to be impactful. You have a greater opportunity to be impactful when things are hard. So I actually like that. I'm excited about this year, even though I said, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. That excites me because that that also is an opportunity to be impactful, support and coach and leading to be successful in the backdrop of all this. That's something to say when everything's going great and you're successful. I'm like, yeah, most people are. That's no big deal. Be successful now. That's exciting to me. That's energy, energy giving, not energy taking. Yeah. I mean, what I hear in that is life has given you a challenge and you are rising to it. The other thing, I mean, you haven't said this, but. I hear such an adventuresome spirit in the things that you're talking about. It's almost like you're seeking opportunity. I don't know if I seek it. I've just, <laughs> I've again, I'm old. So I've, I've had enough opportunity that I know when this has happened that these things could happen. And I'd rather have that, right? I, I know this is what could happen because I've seen it happen before. It's a little different, but I think actually magnitude could be greater. So yeah, that excites me. Because success or failure, either one, it's, it ends up being the same thing because it's somewhere where you can have movement. Okay, so you have this mindset, this grit that's helping you to, to push yourself, to push your team, being okay with failure. I also heard an individual focus 
because individuals are going to respond. You said 450 people. We've probably got 250 different thoughts around it. So there's there's certainly something in an individual style and their preferences around how much risk they're willing to take on. So what do you do with those team members? No doubt there are going to be some people that are like ready to take the hill with you and like ready to go. But there also are going to be people who are really struggling. What do you do with those folks? You got to know the difference, right? And, and they have to know the difference. And it goes back to that chalk line. What's your struggle? And it really boils down to what are you scared of? There really is no such thing as scared of being scared. There's something at its core that you're fearful of that's going to happen, possibility of happen, that you've conjured up either through your confirmation bias, your negativity bias, whatever biases you've conjured up that this is going to happen to me. And what scares that about you? And we talk all the time about painting the picture. Then let's paint that picture. Let's say that happens, right? And this big, awful, scary thing happens and you're standing there right now. Take me there with you. Describe it. Well, this and everybody's going to be mad. I'm going to let people down. And I think you're probably going to fire me. And I I look around. I'm like, yeah, I see this. This is a big flaming pile of stuff here. And I'd rather not be here. But guess what? You're the only person that's going to get us out of here. I need you more now than I did to get us here. And I said, it's a hell of a tuition that you just paid too. Because you learned how to get here. You can learn how to get us out. And I bet we're not here again. You know, I can let you go and bring somebody else in. Started the whole learning curve over. And so if you take away the fear, I mean, if with this and you see, you understand where we are. Oh, I see it. It is bad. This is bad. I don't think this is really going to happen, but it is bad. But if it does, I'm good with you. And so when that happens, how much confidence do they have in themselves? We can speak as leaders to, I believe in you. I, I know you can do it. But how, how often do you actually get the opportunity to show that? Be in the moment and show that you believe in them. And so that that's impactful. Not that I want people to fail, but I love the opportunity for them to stay in there and say, you know what? I can live through this. I, I think that's, again, I've heard you say this. That's part of the issues that, that people haven't struggled enough. And so the first, the first hint of struggle, they hit the road and run. Why do they do that? Because they don't have experience of getting past the struggle. And you have had lots of experiences at oh, me too, where you yes. have looked back and seen like, you know what? I survived and that, I'm better for it. Absolutely. So the next hill, like I'm ready to take on because I'm going to be better for it. Brene Brown says this and she talks about in raising her kids. And I think this is, you know, I hate being the old guy, get off my lawn, but this is going to be the old guy, get off my lawn thing. But generationally, <laughs> a lot of young folks today haven't had the struggle. And she explained that she had to watch in raising her kids of her, she, her parenting style was to prepare the path for the kid versus the kid for the path. And that's what we did. We took away obstacles. We don't want them to struggle. Take away obstacles, make it easy, make it easy. And then we wonder why they struggle when it's not. Yeah. Exactly. And why there's so much anxiety. Why does Gen Y have the biggest burnout? That makes no sense to me. But it against because they've not lived through and have the confidence of living through struggle. Yeah, it's grit. Right? Absolutely. It's Angela Duckworth talks about grit. Yeah, the resilience to stay in it. The tenacity. There's so much growth there because that's life, right? Yep. Life is one big challenge, one big opportunity. I want to highlight the question because I'm, I'm sure the listeners heard it, but it's just so simple and it's so good. In the midst of that fear, you're, you are putting a mirror in front of people and asking them, 
what are you scared of? Oh, because there's so much. Because so much of the time, we don't recognize that the challenge is within you. It has nothing to do with the story that you're telling or this external villain challenge. You are the block. And they don't know that until they have to answer that question. You're exactly right. Until they have to answer that, we can sit there and say, well, of course they know that. No, they don't because they've not asked themselves that. So 2023 is you are coming into this year more uncertain than you have ever been and you're up for it and you are leading your team with a lot of belief in the unknown. Yep. Hope. Hope that it'll work out. You know why? Because it always has. (laughs) Maybe not the way in which we thought it would, but life always has a way of working out. For those who are active in it, right? It may not if you're passive and just let life happen to you, but if you seize it. Yeah. you. I mean, I know you love Brene. I do too. Like you're in the arena and you're getting your ass kicked and that's a good thing because you're living your life. You're not sitting on the sidelines watching or blaming or pointing fingers. My mom, you you got to love those things your parents said as a kid that you're like rolling your eyes every time. But my mom always said to me, Andrea, tend your own garden. And it really stuck. And today I absolutely get it. Like when I start to get pity party or, oh, look at them. If they would only like, nope, I have my life to live. And I'm freaking living it as best I can. Like that is my responsibility. And I think so often, again, and you have to ask yourselves that, that, that those are, there's no such thing as a rhetorical question, right? You should know the answer to that. Well, why didn't I get asked to be on that project team? You should know the answer to that. Yeah. I don't know. Why didn't I get that? Why did this happen to me? You should know the answer to it. Don't, don't have rhetorical questions. So that's a great question of which you should know the answer to. I, in my one-on-one with my leaders, I'll ask, you know, where do I get in your way? And I, I don't do a lot of things very well, actually very few things, but I do not get in people's way. That If I do, it's a huge blind spot. Somebody's going to have to tell me, hey, you're getting in my way because I, I will not see that because I think I'm pretty good at that. And most of the time, they'll sit there and go, well, you, you don't get in my way. I'm like, well, then who does? There's your mirror moment, right? <laughs> and so we have a pretty lax culture, and a lot of times that's followed by the middle finger to me. But again, they realize, you know what? I get in my own way. Where I am, the problems I have, those are my problems. And the great thing about it, they're, they're mine to fix. Yeah, yeah. So how do you juxtapose that with the counter idea around if it's not working – Like sometimes you do need to go in a different direction or do something differently or how do you know? Like how do you know when you know what this isn't my hill to take or like how do you discern that? So interesting you used discern because discernment is one of my working geniuses. But doing that, it is the way, it is the path, it is what you do right up until the point you say that's not the path anymore. And you just got to be good with you can't have ego or hubris in that anymore. You got to be, you know what? It was good yesterday. It's not today. We got to go a different direction. And part of that, as we talked earlier, being comfortable um, in, in yourself. And again, failure is not a bad thing you, as long as you learn. So he, here's here's where we're going to go. Here's the change. Um, and we're going to go now. We're going to go 100 mile an hour that way. Yeah. I, I mean, I often counsel people because I think people get wrapped up in the decision. And I often think like, no, if it's thoughtful and you're using discernment and like, I don't know that you can make a bad decision. You're going to learn. There's going to be opportunities either way. Right. And that's the reason 
the core of reason why we don't do strategic plans, right? Why are you going to live to something that you did at a three-day retreat at a Holiday Inn 18 months ago and think that that's right? Well, and I would I would say your strategic tenets are the direction, right? You don't have a silly little document that you created as a retreat, but you have guideposts. Yeah, a north star. Yeah, that's good. Don Cates. Oh my goodness, this is so good. There's so much energy from our very first conversation. Like, okay, this this is a guy I'm gonna follow. This is a guy I'm gonna highlight. What's so interesting is it always comes back to, you know, I've done 150 of these, and it always comes back to mindset, what's going on within you, the level of thoughtfulness and energy with which you're engaging in your life. Not surprising, like those are the things that make leaders great. And there's so much commonality, right? I mean, it's really just how it's reconstituted, right? Um, so your, your uh, pause and pivot right? That is our know your now and what's next. It's our use your head and give a crap. It's phraseology. It's it's terminology. And I do think there's some cultural piece of it. I like that we have our kind of our own our own language. I, I do think that's a sign of a strong culture. It's the same stuff, right? It's the same thing. But it gives people something to fall back on. Absolutely. Right? A motto, a mantra. That mind, mind is self-awareness and intentionality. Same thing. So good. Well, thank you. I'm walking away with lots of important reminders. If our listeners want to connect with you, Don, what's the best way to do that? Probably through LinkedIn. Don Cates at Three Rivers Credit Union uh, in Fort Wayne. Okay. And and I would, I'm going to ask you this now. I would love to have you back on the show at the end of the year. Won't it be cool to say you were coming into the year and with all this uncertainty? How has it played out? It will be so fun. I, I will do that, and as long as nobody at Three Rivers hears this, um, you know, it would probably be more beneficial as if it didn't work. Oh. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I come back and say, "Well, yep, killed it," uh, I'm not sure what learning lessons there is. Probably come back it's like, you know what, we really missed it, and we got a long ways to go. There's probably uh, more lessons. So if I got lessons to share, I will come back and share. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a Being at Work story. 